0: children's church so if you're sixth grade and below everyone else take your Bibles turn to Galatians 4 1 through 7 and Romans 8:14 and of course these verses are in your your bulletin as you're um, as we're getting ready to hear the Word of God I know we've had a lot of stuff this morning it's been a full morning already and so um, just a couple of things to share with you as we get prepared to hear the Word of God. Uh, number one is this. Um, starting next week, I'm going to start a series for the whole summer on the Psalms. Uh, I started to call it Psalms in the Key of Life. Uh, anybody know that reference? Uh Old Stevie Wonder album. Anyway, songs in the key of life. Um, But for the next 12 weeks after today, we're going to do a study of the psalms. Now, obviously, I can't do 150 psalms in 12 weeks. But each week, I'll be doing a representative psalm. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the psalm that we're going to look at next week, a week early, so that you can read it, meditate on it, look at it, be prepared. So at the bottom of your sermon outline, on the back page, you'll see that uh, you're to read and meditate on Psalm 46. On Psalm 46. So for next week, it's not a very long psalm. You're going to enjoy this. I'm really looking forward to this because um, I love psalms. Psalms are songs. They were. It's the hymn book of the nation of Israel. And uh, you can tell a lot about a people by the songs they sing, uh, by the songs that are on their heart. So start now looking at Psalm 46. Uh, for next week as I introduce that series. And each week, we'll look at a different representative psalm. Also, um, I know uh, that many of you already know this, but in case you don't, uh, today at noon, the UAB baseball team plays. You may think I'm shifting gears very fast, but there's a thing here. The UAB baseball team is playing at noon for the conference championship. Uh, Brian Shoup, our own Brian, um, Coach Brian Shoup, um, they've made it all the way to the finals. If they win there, they go to regionals. And so we, we pray for blessing on them. If you want to watch it, it starts at noon on CBS Sports Network. It's somewhere on ESPN on my cable network. And if you're more godly than me and don't get cable, you're out of luck. Uh, I don't, it may be on the computer somewhere, but I, I don't know if it is or not. All right, let's pray, because I have a lot to say and a short time to say it, and I believe this is an important word. So I pray that at least the core truths of what I'm going to share with you this morning, I, I believe, are critical. Critical for me, critical for you, critical for us. Lord, we pray that you would move among us. Spirit of God, let this truth come to life for us this morning. Spirit of God, do what I cannot do. Uncover truth. Reveal it. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but this has been revealed to you by my Father who is in heaven. Spirit of God, reveal the heart of the Father for each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever wonder why in church life, and many of you have been in church either all your life or for a lot of years, why it seems the church is always trying to push to get people more engaged in church life? One of the things that I have noticed as a pastor, as a leader over the years, it's a constant headache trying to get people to do stuff. I mean, you always feel like you're kind of... uh, there's a friend of mine named Donald Master, and he always he used this expression. I still don't know what it means, but he, he said it's like trying to push a rope upstream. Uh, and, and he had these country sayings. I don't know what that means, but it seems really hard uh, to try and push a rope upstream. And so it seems like that in the church. Many times we are, we're, we're trying to motivate people through various means to get engaged and stay engaged. We have a lot of people at Fullness who are very engaged, and I'm so grateful for all that you do and your heart and uh, how you've given your life to God's work in this place and to the kingdom of God around you. But it, it's my desire, that, and, and honestly, it's my belief that every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ should come to a place where they are fully engaged followers of Christ, serving letting their gifts be expressed not only in the church but outside the church to see the kingdom of God expand, giving their faith and life away. Now, why is it that that doesn't happen? Why is it that many of us seem like we're lethargic or maybe even apathetic in our in our faith? Is there some possible reason? Now, now some people would say that the, the explanation is because we are part of a consumer mentality. That 21st century Americans, all we do is consume things. We don't really produce anything anymore, uh, which is partially true. We are consumer oriented. But I think that there's something more. And I've been dwelling on this, trying to think about it. I've been reading some books on it. Uh, I've talked to some people who have told me about other sermons they've heard preached on this topic. And so I'm going to give you one take on this. This is not the final word, but maybe it's a, it's a take that as we look at, it'll help us get a better understanding, I think, of where God may be taking us. Uh, since my sons were born... Uh, one of the things I was looking forward to as soon as they were born was the day that they would be able to push a lawnmower on their own. Dads, can you relate to, to that? I can't wait till they, you know, they're out there. They can't, they can't even see. Uh, um, trying to, so that they would mow the lawn so that I, I wouldn't have to. And uh, praise God, he gave me three sons. So for the last 20 years almost, well, maybe not quite that long, 17 years, uh, I've had someone constantly mowing my grass other than me up until the last year. And then Caleb graduated. I'm, tr- I'm debating on the whole girl mowing the yard thing. Uh, I'm thinking, I'm believing more and more in this equality, this gender work. <laughs> you know, why not? I mean, can... anyway, come on, brother, <laughs> preach now. So anyway, you know, as soon as my sons went away to college, one of the things they talked about was the freedom, even when they came home, of no longer having to mow the yard. Praise God, I don't have to mow the yard anymore. Now, what do you think their approach might have been? If I said to them, rather than, hey, you have to mow the grass because you live here and it's a requirement of living under this roof that you have to help serve and you have to do stuff, you have to mow the grass. What if my approach had been to say to them, hey, this house is your house. You, you co-own this house with me. You're a co-heir of this house. So everything you see, the yard, the house, everything, it, it may not be totally in your possession today, but it is yours. It's going to be your do you, I, I don't know for sure, but I think their approach to the yard, rather than being my yard, it being our yard, might have been different. You think? Um, maybe not. We'll see when they get their own house. If any of that has taken place. I believe there's a there's a call in our hearts to be a part of something more. For us to understand we are owning this together versus somebody else owns it and I just work for them. Um, I believe... Our society is seeing the value in this. And just to prove my point, uh, I just happened to be in Starbucks this week uh, because I don't go there often, but I went there this week. And so they had this sign and it said this some of you are not following me at all there. I mean, I know every part of Starbucks in my house, next to my house. Opportunity to be more than an employee, to be a partner. This is their they're looking for new managers and workers. At Starbucks, it all comes together. Connect with something bigger. Have an impact every day and work someplace truly great. The opportunity is here. I think Starbucks has stolen the message of the church. You get to be a, I mean, you're just serving coffee. We have the words of life. But at times we sit back and say, well, I wonder who's going to do this. Well, I'll do my little part over here. I'll serve. I believe God wants us to be fully engaged. Now, I, I want to give you this model that I think might help us to see how this could occur. Romans eight fourteen through 16 says this. Those, and I'm going to set it up, and then I'm going to give you three points on how I believe we can get there. So I'll give you the premise, and then I'll give you the three points on how I think we can, which will help us get to where I believe God is leading us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, Olivia, would you give me that water, please, babe? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There are a couple of terms used in this passage that look like they are the same, but they're not the same. They are different, and they are the terms child and son. Child and son. The word for child here is the word technon in the Greek, and I don't do a lot of Greek because I really don't know Greek, but the word here is technon. And it's used in both a literal and a figurative sense to mean child, one who's born into that, one who is a son, and I'm going to use the word son here, uh, it's synonymous. I could substitute daughter, son or daughter. It's gender neutral even though we're talking about a son, a child. This person is a child by the mere fact of birth. Are, Are you with me? So in other words, when Jared was born, when Jared was born, he was uh, our son by the mere fact that uh from a genetic biological standpoint he came into the Brookings family. Now um if you know and have seen my children, all five of them, by the time the fifth one was born, you knew that one was a Brookens baby. Because all of the babies look alike. But if you just put Jared in the nursery and lined him up without seeing, having known what the Brookens babies looked like, you would not necessarily know that he was my son. Are you with me? He was a child just by the mere fact that we gave, Kathy gave birth to him. Now, someone might say, oh, he looks just like you. Now, see, I don't see it there. I don't think he looks just like me. More people would honestly say, oh, he looks just like his mother, uh, praise God. Um, but But still, I think they were trying to make a connect that wasn't necessarily there. The word technon here is that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's child. We are God's child. And the truth is this, that um, we cannot be prevented from becoming a child of God. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Do you know, really, in all of the earth, you only have one right? You have the right that when you call upon the name of Christ, you will be saved. Satan cannot prevent. You, from coming into the family of God. God has, through Jesus Christ and the cross and the resurrection, that, that power, he's given you power, the right to become a child of God. Here's what I want us to see, though. God doesn't want us to stay as children. He wants us to move into sonship. He wants us to move from being a child who is just there because they were born a child, into a realm of more responsibility, which is that of sonship. I'm going to set it up for you, give you the scripture passage, and then tell you what I believe God is leading us to do. A child, according to the Bible, is one who is just there because they've been born there. And the Bible says that a child is like a slave or a servant. But a son is an heir or a co heir. They are an owner. My contention is this we've been short selling you. In other words, if we say to you or the church as a whole, hey, you are to be a servant. Well, yes, I I'm to have a spirit of service, but I'm not a slave, I'm a son. I'm a co-heir. I'm an owner. To keep people as slaves or servants keeps them as children. But God wants us to move into sonship. Are you with me so far? What a mentality. I think it would change in our hearts and our lives if we understood that God has more for us than staying as children. Now, everybody should have the right to be a child for a short period of time. I mean, it wouldn't do much for my sons. As they grew if um if I made them grow up too soon, um, thankfully, they have grown up at least um at to some point at, at this level, but God wants us to move from childhood to adulthood now it's funny, my mom, when she was alive, always would say that Adam reminded her of me when I was his age at different points. Bless bless his heart. You know, but she would say, yeah, Adam reminds me of, of you. Some of the same characteristics. As time went along, my sons started to look more and act more like me. And again, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your point of view. But some of sense of humor, some of the things we talk about, some of the very loves we have in life, some of our passions, they derive from me. Now, now they're different than me, and but there are some similarities and patterns that have been developed as they've moved from childhood to sonship to adulthood. A child is a slave or a servant, a son is a partner. Now what happens if a child moves from being a child to sonship to adulthood too quickly? Bad things happen. Great story, the story of the prodigal son. It's a story of a premature promotion, premature inheritance. The son comes and says, "Father, give me my inheritance. I want it now while I'm young and can ex- and can use it." Well, the son, the prodigal, that younger son wasn't ready for his inheritance father gives it to him anyway. He goes out and squanders it. He blows it. Why? Because he he hasn't really moved from being a child into being a son to understanding the difference of what it means to... See, children, children, it's all about them. I mean, at times you'll get glimpses in a child that They're thinking of others more than themselves. But generally, children are self-centered. They want what they want when they want it. And if they don't get it, then things go crazy. my house, things got really loud in general if they didn't get what they want. But God... When he gives you and delegates authority, he's going to move you and he's going to provide everything you need to do what he's called you to do. He supplies, according to Corinthians, seed to the sower, bread for good. He's going to be generous on every occasion so that you can let your generosity show to others. Jesus came and he came as a son who was serving his father, but as a a demonstration of who God is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm going to skip ahead. How are we going to see this happen? How are we going to move from being a child to being a son? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Do you get the basic premise? I've tried, I probably may have moved a little quick here, but I believe it's really important. As long as we keep people in a servant mentality, I believe we're staying as children. But once we grow up and understand that we're all in this together, we're all co-heirs of Jesus Christ, we're all co-owners of this. I don't own fullness. I've got a certain role and responsibility, but we are in this together. Then I believe we'll all start to say, hey, what can I do to make my church? Our church better. Do you know I can tell by a person's pronoun whether they're really a part of fullness or not? Uh, If they say, you know, I really like going to your church versus I love our church. I can tell just in the way they speak whether they see themselves apart or they see themselves as people who are attenders. Uh, My call on us is to say this is our place, all of us together, by the grace of God, to see what he wants to do through us in the days ahead. How are we going to see this happen? And let's see if I can get through three points in maybe ten minutes. Um, I'll do my best. Number one, follow a pattern. Follow a pattern. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. When you're a child, your pattern is child. That's your pattern. But when you become an adult, you put away childish things and you have a pattern. What is? Who is our pattern? I'm not the pattern. The Father God, Jesus Christ, He is the pattern that we're to imitate. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus do? let's follow the pattern that God has given us. If we're going to move from being a child to being an adult, then we need to follow the pattern that Jesus Christ has set before us. Michael Bonk tells a story about uh, when he was learning to write and practice penmanship. I I never had this class, really, penmanship. I'm the the worst. And our children are getting worse because all they do is ever type anymore. But in the old days, they used to have this Type pattern where they would have a line, and you were supposed to write exactly like the top line. Do you remember that? For those of you who did elementary school where you were practicing penmanship, and then he he said, what happened was, then you would copy the line again, you'd copy it again, you'd copy it again, you'd copy it again, and by the time you got to the bottom, the bottom looked nothing like the top. But he said, then a new book came out, and it was really unique in that the example kept moving down. I would copy it, move it down, copy it, move it down. As long as I kept referring back to the original pattern, my penmanship stayed good. But as the more I had permutations of what was the original, the less it looked like it was supposed to look. Our pattern is Jesus Christ. If we're going to move into maturity, if we're going to move from being children to sons, then we, by faith, have to follow Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says in Galatians, and this is a key passage. I'm not going to have as much time as I'd like to get into the passage, but I want you to write it down, go look at it, and study it, because this is really the crux of what I believe God is saying to us. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. You get the picture? A child is like a slave. He may own it, but he doesn't act like he owns it. He's subject to guardians and trustees in the, until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God had sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent his the spirit of his son into your hearts the spirit who calls out abba father you know tv drew is always talking about calling on jesus calling god as daddy that's really what the term abba it's a very intimate term daddy daddy father so you are no longer a slave but a son and since you are a son god also has made you an heir we need to move from childhood a slave mentality a servant mentality into Our rights and responsibilities as heirs and co heirs. Here's the deal I believe you can do anything from a childish mentality. Anything. I want more of the spirit. Why do you want more of the spirit? Because I want to feel good. I want more power. I want more of a name. I want more of, do you see that I want kind of mentality? That's a childish mentality. The nation of Israel, there's an example, a story in Second Samuel 4 where they put the Ark of the Covenant out in front of them. The Ark of Covenant represents the presence of God. And the reason is because they were going to go fight the Philistines who they never saw God about. They just felt like, oh, we, we need to go battle the Philistines. Hey, somebody go get the presence of God. Let's get the presence of God. Bring it out here in front of it because we can't lose. So we've got the presence of God in front of us. I mean, they saw the presence of God from their own perspective, their own childish, selfish perspective. They lost the battle. The Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant and took it with them. God will not be manipulated in a selfish standpoint. God wants us to grow up. He wants us to follow his pattern, but he wants us to do it in a way that glorifies his name. Follow the pattern that God has set before you. Second is this. Understand and work with authority. Understand and work with authority. We need to know, as Paul is saying in Galatians, that we need to know how to handle what God has placed under our care, and every single person is a person under authority. We're all under God's uh, authority. Jesus, when he's talking, um, he's going down the road one day, And some people from a Roman centurion, a centurion is a soldier, and I know you probably, if you've been in church very long, you know the story. This Roman centurion, who's not a believer in the sense of he's not Jewish, he's Roman. The Romans were hated, but he's got a sick son, a really sick son. So he sends some representatives to Jesus to say, hey, this Roman centurion, he's a good guy. It's a great story. The Roman won't even go to Jesus because Jesus is Jewish. So he sends some other Jewish guys to Jesus to talk to him to see if he'll come and heal his son. You with me? So they send the guys to say to Jesus, hey, this is a really good guy. I know he's a Roman soldier, which may put you off, but he's a really good guy. Would you come and heal his son? But the word the Roman centurion sends through the representatives is this. But say the word, and my, this is the Roman centurion's word. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers unto me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. What does the centurion recognize? I'm under authority. All Jesus has to do is speak the word because he's a man of authority, and healing will take place. Jesus, in turn, says he heard this, and he was amazed, and he turns to the crowd and says to them, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. He's saying, even among the Jews, I've never seen a guy with this much faith. When you understand that God has given you authority and delegated authority to you, when you move from being child to being a son, and recognize that as an heir and a co-heir, you have the full weight of Father God behind you and the power of the Holy Spirit, what could we possibly be held back from? I mean, that we could move out and do whatever it is that God has designated for us to do. Could it be, could it be that rather than following the pattern of God, we're following the pattern of the world, rather than understanding we're under his authority, we're trying to do stuff in some other format, and as a result, we're being ineffective. We're still staying as children. We need to move out in the right and responsibility and the power that God has given us. Everybody's under authority. I'm under authority. You're under authority. We're... I mean, I know we hate that word submission uh, in America. Nobody wants to submit to anything or anybody. But from a biblical standpoint, we all work under authority at some level. We just happen to work for the greatest authority, God and his power. Third is this, establish faithfulness for living. This is your third way to see yourself become mature in the faith. Become um, a person who walks out faithfully. What does a child do? A child, a child is only concerned about themselves, right? So they're like, if I don't get my way, I'm taking my toys and going home, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm moving on. I want to show you that, I, I, this is, um, I'm going to keep you a little later. Give me another five uh, uh, minutes, maybe 10. I um, love <laughs> this video. This is a little girl, five years old, who's really, really mad at her little brother, older brother. And she is done with what's going on in her house.
1: I'm moving on. I'm going to Jen.
2: No, you're not.
1: Yes, I am. I'm moving on.
2: Why do you have to move on?
1: I have to move on. I've been in this house way too long. I should move.
2: How long have you been here? For
1: like five years.
2: Well, yeah, because you're five.
1: Well, I need to move on. Why? I need to move on sometimes.
2: Why do you have to move on already? I
1: will make Jen's house as clean as I can make it.
2: Well, why can't you make my house clean as you can make it? I can
1: make hers better than I.
2: Well, why can't you do mine? (laughs)
1: Cause I don't love here.
2: Why don't you? This is
1: way dirty and have no space. My bedroom is a disaster and have no room, (laughs) and I can barely have room
2: to put my stuff. What
1: are you gonna do at Jen's house? I have lots of stuff. I'm moving on. I'm going to Jen's.
2: I'm going to miss you, and I if love you. If not wants me to move. I'm moving. No, you're not. You're <laughs> staying. Yes, I am. Staying with your mommy. No, I am going. What do you think, Stay. Daddy's gonna say about this? I'm gonna move. I'm gonna be sad.
1: I don't care. I am moving on. I'm moving to Jen's. Okay. I am. Okay. When do really? you think you're
2: doing this? Well, tomorrow. Party. Tomorrow. Um, but I'm gonna miss you. I don't care. I'm gonna move on. I'm moving. Tanner, what ah. did you say to her to make her mad? He was <laughs> throwing dirt at me, Mom. <laughs> say Tanner, that's not nice. He, f- he threw dirt. Out but she's gonna do me. Wanna... Die, stop talking, <laughs> to Listen, listen, just because Tanner's mean to you doesn't mean that I don't no, love you. I'm moving. I'm moving. I will be sad and Kenny too. <laughs>
0: Moving on, in case you didn't notice. I feel like I've had conversations like this. I'm moving on. I didn't get my way. Things didn't go like I thought they were going to go. Now, I'm not trying to be mean or ugly, maybe a little, but um, the truth is this. If we stay childlike when things don't go our way, I'm moving on. God wants us to move from a position of childish selfishness to sonship and ownership, to know that we are all uh, apart. The story of the prodigal, again, is a great example of this. We, we, we've already railed on the younger son who prematurely had his inheritance given to him, wasted it. But you know the story. He comes back. father is just thrilled to see him, throws a celebration, says, come on in. Here's my robe. Here's my shoes. Let's have a banquet Older son is angry. He refuses to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him and said, Come, come into the banquet. Your your brother was gone. Now he's back. But he answers his father and says, Look, all these years I've been what? Slaving for you. I've been slaving for you. He's still in a servant or slave mentality rather than seeing who he is in the sight of his father. I mean, you never gave me a goat, so I could celebrate my friends. The father says to him, really, son, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. People, we got to get out of this. We got to move from this selfish, self-centered mentality to, to really understand that everything that, of the Father's is ours. I, I don't know if this stirs you as much as it stirs me. I mean, to me, this is, this is really a key element for us at fullness and as followers of Jesus Christ. And I've talked on becoming mature before, but I've never seen it as critical as in the day that I see it now. That if we're going to move from childish, selfish, I got to get my way, Uh, This is all about me mentality. We got to grow up to become sons, heirs, co heirs. And along the way, by the way, God is going to discipline us. He's going to, if we're really going to act like sons and try and be heirs and co heirs, in Hebrews it says, those he loves, he disciplines. Well, we see discipline as punishment. God sees discipline as a way for us to become all that he wants us to become. Fullness, I am, I am asking you today to look at yourself in the light of sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, of our Father God, to say, yes, nothing can prevent you from being a child of God, but now it is time for us to move on. And not by move on, I mean move out. I'm talking about move more in godliness, more in responsibility, more in co-ownership to see the kingdom of God expand around us, to see fullness become everything that God has for us to become. How's it going to happen? Let's follow the pattern of God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's follow, let's follow his pattern. Let's live faithful lives. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Don't be robbed. Don't be robbed of your sonship. Don't be robbed of your right to become not just a child of God, but to move on into maturity with Him. I believe every born-again believer, and we say this a lot, everybody's a minister, but I believe everybody should be a missionary. Everybody should be a son or daughter in Him. Let me pray for us as we... Seek and desire his plan and his purpose for us as sons and daughters. And before I do, just take a second and to say, God, show me my heart. Am I more childish or am I moving on in maturity and becoming a son or a daughter? Lord, we thank you that nothing can prevent us from becoming a child of God. Everyone has the right through Jesus Christ to become a child. If they'll call on the name of the Lord Jesus, they will be saved. So this morning, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has not done that, that they've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus, they they may... Believe that Jesus was a great man, good prophet, good teachers, that some bad people killed a long time ago. Lord, I pray that today they will see Jesus as the truth, the way, the life, and receive him as their leader and the one who forgives their sins. They will call on the name of the Lord Jesus, and they will become a child of God. Lord, for those of us who have already been children of God, I pray that today would be a a line where we would say, God, we want to move on in maturity. We want to follow the pattern of our Father God. We want to uh, understand and work in the way that you've given us as uh, delegates of your authority. We want to be faithful in the way we live. God, forgive us where we've been self-centered, and maintained a servant mentality rather than understanding that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, help us grow up in you. Whether we're 15, 50, 150, whatever age, if we haven't grown up, help us to grow up, Lord, in you today. May we break out of the childish patterns of our lives. May we understand we're no longer just slaves or servants, but we're sons and daughters and co-heirs. Spirit of God, do what I can't do. Make this truth become life to us today so that it changes the way we live. Stand up with me. Let me speak this prayer of blessing over you. Thank you for being patient today. And I pray that this word uh, really sinks into our hearts and our lives uh, for the days ahead. Let me speak this blessing over you, and then you'll be dismissed. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.